I'm Murphy. John Murphy. And I'm Humes. Christian Humes. And you're listening to Watch World. Thank you, everybody. Welcome to Watch World. We are continuing our Bond extravaganza with 1975's The Man with the Golden Gun. A interesting movie, to say the least. Um, very similar to when we watched early on, we watched Live and Let Die, back during a very interesting period for the franchise. Christian, what did you think of The Man with the Golden Gun? Well, you forewarned me that this is uh, one of the more reviled John Bond films. I, I, I mean, don't know if that's it's more reviled. I just think <laughs> no, that... that that's extreme. I'm just I'm having a little fun with that, but yeah. it, it is. Um, and I read up a little bit about it as well while while I watched it, and it is generally considered a low point for the franchise. And I got to tell you, I like it more than I think a good handful of other Bonds we've seen. I. I was reasonably entertained throughout the entire thing. I think you could cut a good 20 minutes plus possibly from the movie just because... I, I feel like that's just, your note uh, with every movie. <laughs> well, at least with the older ones. But I think here's the difference with this one is a, a lot of the other ones where I feel like you can cut, it's because of the pacing. And it's just like they just take too long to move. Whereas this one is just like actually a lot happens. They're like, we're going to go here, and then we're going to go here, and then we're going to... And I'm, like, I'm just kind of like, you know what? They didn't actually go very slow anywhere. In fact, they had like maybe just a too lot of many beats. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, I, I feel like unlike the other ones where there's not enough content and it's just going too slow, so you just want to speed it up, this one I'm just like, actually like maybe a little too many things in this one movie. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's it does maybe one too many things too many. It's like and... not a lot. It's just like one or two, like... You could you could probably pull out. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. So I think also this movie marks, like I said, a, I think the reason why it's also considered a low point was this was the final movie between Albert uh, Cubby Broccoli and Harry Saltzman as producing partners. Um, this is the movie that basically ended their relationship, their their producing relationship. So like, saw broccoli yeah, from here. Yeah, it's after that, it's been in the broccoli name forever. But um, yeah, it's it's. I think, be, and, and like Live and Let Die, post 60s Bond, I think they had a little bit of trouble figuring out like the direction of the franchise. And so that's why with these two movies is a very interesting kind of look at Bond going into sort of other genres or other subgenres, where in Live and Let Die, it was black exploitation was the really the big thing of the era so it's like oh let's put bond in, in sort of a black exploitation movie in this it's what are the what's big in 1975 1974 oh kung fu movies and energy crisis <laughs> so yeah let's energy go. crisis is is um pivotal to understand why this movie is important which also made me start to think like aren't we actually still kind of in an energy crisis and we never really got out of it we just found ways to produce more oil through like shale and fracking and stuff like that because well, we, we don't have we, we have we have a different type planet. of crisis in that we are finally have been studying the effects of carbon emissions whereas yeah. like in the 70s it was literally like there's not enough oil and but that's what i'm saying it's like <laughs> the answer we came up with was well let's just find more oil yeah yeah like, <laughs> that was the worst solution it turns out <laughs> to the problem yeah but i think at this time you know the the fact that like you had to wait hours to get gas, yeah, you know, and no, I think no, that no, really I... affected people. Yeah, and I, I and so I think 
the the oil crisis of the 70s mixed in with like the emergence of solar or like right. re-emergence of solar i think made it hip because which is really funny because the whole like solar what, i don't what is it even called it's like what solex? Like called, the solex agitator yeah which is like the most screenplay like MacGuffin name ever oh, no, this is like if jj abrams ever got the chance to do a bond movie he would redo this one keep the same name for the solar totally. agitator absolutely but like that whole plot line in this movie felt so pushed aside that like i kept forgetting that's what the movie's about sometimes although i yes but i actually really enjoy the scene later where they're like honestly i would have rather lost our best agent if we could have got the solex agitator it's that important like yeah, yeah. when m says that to him i'm like damn yeah, like it's it it brings up some good point points. It's just like they set up this show, you know, this confrontation between Scaramanga and Bond throughout the whole movie, and it's like these kind of two dueling characters. That that's like what's kind of at the front of the movie, and then you kind of forget that like oh, there's this whole thing with this device that something to do with solar energy and a, a giant ray gun, basically like a laser gun type of thing going on. Um, but yeah, it's. It's weird also because this movie, it goes a lot of places. It does a lot of things that are actually pretty cool. It's just, I think sometimes just looks really cheap. And I think comes off as like almost sure. like a pretty cheap looking movie. Sure. I mean, okay. So I don't know if this was the version I watched or if it was just a production problem. But when Scaramanga, great name, by the way. Oh, great. great name. Yeah. Uh, when Scar, they don't ever reuse that. They have not used yet. They haven't really reused any characters other than... The like obviously the most recent Craig, you know, mm. reusing Felix and Q and Money Penny and yeah, like, I mean the staples, the staples, yeah, staples, but they haven't reused any villains yet. Um, so Scaramanga, when he blasts Bond's plane with the laser yeah. weapon, yeah, there's no laser that comes out of it. It's the like, plane just blows it's, up. It's, it's real. Invi- it's like almost like how a real laser works. Well, yes. Yeah, so I did think about that. I did think about that fact, but it was weird because we saw an actual beam of energy previous, and then. Was there meant to be a beam? Because it feels like there should have been a beam. I think there should have been, but maybe they just didn't get, they just didn't able, weren't able to put it in, you know? Because it just literally looks like, it, it looks like he faked it. Like it also, it just looks like he pressed the button, they had installed like, you know, a weapon, like a bomb on <laughs> well, the plane a def- and he triggered it. There's a few key moments in this movie where you're like, did, were they really paying attention to what was going on sometimes? Um, we'll get to it when we get to the belly dancer scene, but I think overall, I think like live and let die, I really do actually love this movie just for how weird it is and the stuff they try in it. See, see, that's the thing is I, 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 you compare it to that and I understand why you do, but I don't feel like it's in the same pantheon. I feel like it's, it's actually way better in a variety of ways and funny Enough. The movie I would compare this to most to thematically is Skyfall. Yeah, Scaramanga's yeah. very much kind of like got like so the whole that, yeah. like yeah like inviting like chaos and like going directly after Bond and like he likes to play with his toys. He's got his like island compound, his fantasy like, island compound. Yeah, like it feels like he feels kind of like that character in a number of ways. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't say it's like it's like Live and Let Die in terms of story or like element like i just think of it's trying some interesting things sure in a new way that you haven't really seen before which some pay off really well 
and then some sure don't. well of course there's one specific character reason why you compare it to live and let die <laughs> why is that jw pepper making yeah, a return which let's on, be honest on... <laughs> both my favorite and least favorite part of the movie <laughs> i mean that car chase stuff is actually really cool it's just every time they cut to in the car with jw you're just like it was but it also felt like when they go like when they go over the bridge and the cars in the air i was like they could have had the confederate flag on the top and be like how the boy's gonna get out of this one yeah but instead they (laughs) use a goddamn slide whistle (laughs) and totally ruin that stunt because the stunt is cool and they built that bike it was i guess it's the first stunt ever built by computer Wow. Like designed, like the way they design it's like actually mathematically designed, so it's like perfect helix, whatever. So it's great. The stunt is great and it's real. And now they're not using miniatures or anything like that. But then they like decide to just make a clown show of it by putting a slide whistle effect on it. And you're like, why? Why did they do this? Well, also I just felt like at the same time, it already felt like a clown show because of who's riding shotgun. Yeah. Yeah, just because, I mean, you know, like you, you realize, like, hey, nothing of great import is going to happen right now. Like, you, I, I felt like I couldn't have any real tension for Bond in that moment, <laughs> which otherwise, this was a movie where it felt like James Bond was always sort of, you know, the mouse in Scaramanga's game of mousetrap. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, let's just hop right into. Yeah, this. let's do it. Uh, uh, I love the intro. I love it. Great. I love it. Is this the second Bond we've started? It's it's one of the the few times we start not with James. Yeah, from Russia with Love is one that comes to mind with Red Grant, like basically killing a guy in a Bond mask and stuff. Yeah, um, a, yeah. So this is like one of the few ones where it's not Bond on a mission, and it's it's all about the villain, and you know, which is kind of funny because the, the title of the movie is the villain and you know it's it's kind of all about the protagonist uh, which kind of makes me feel like we should go like new movies should go back to that let's do a like villain centric opening and title yeah yeah <laughs> That'd be great um but yeah I, lo- I love this i love this location i think it's somewhere in thailand i think yes um and it's like it's just a really cool place it's it this is this everything that takes part on scaramanga's island other than the fun house aspect of it like all the outside stuff makes the movie seem way bigger and like more expensive and more like cool. Than yeah. I think it, it it is. Well, there's, there's a scene that takes place in um, Beirut, right? Uh, Beirut. No, I think it all takes place in Thailand basically for the most part. I don't think he ever goes to, Oh yeah. He goes to, he goes to see the bullet maker. Those are in Beirut. Right. Or, He's like a, I think he's like Portuguese or something, but he's in Beirut, yeah. yeah. But the, I don't, the, so I read that that wasn't, that's the one thing that they actually didn't film, like that was not filmed there. Location, that was, yeah. yeah, that was just. You can kind of tell because there's no like wide shots or anything. It's just like some, you know, shop they go to. Um, no, but I, I, so I love this opening with Scaramanga and you, we meet Nick Knack, uh, played by Hervé Villachez. Um, interesting character to say the least. Uh, oh, dude. I mean, look, obviously, Knickknack today is, I, you know, I personally don't know. Uh, I'll just say I'm not educated enough on, you know, for, for little people to know what is and is not acceptable. Because there's also, obviously, like, it, it, it's clearly got some stereotypical tropes in it. And there's probably also maybe some racist tropes in it. I don't know if I'm educated enough 
on all of those to catch them, if I'm being honest. But yeah. also some of it just felt kind of lighthearted too. Like yeah. I liked that knickknack seemed not like a joke. Like he clearly was supposed to be sort of comedic relief, but like actually the character was super fucking capable. Like the entire time, I like, do. He like was they set really up this smart dynamic between him and Scaramanga that it's like he wants Scaramanga to die sometimes. Like he, there's like, a mutual respect. Yeah, it's like he because he because he says later and near the end of the movie, it's like if Scaramanga dies, he gets his island. It's right. Like he's made this promise with them, so he kind of like, and I think Scaramanga obviously does it to. He wants a challenge. So that's it's why to, bring... it's to incentivize him. And in, in yeah. fact, it's it's almost as if Scaramonga's the number one person that he actually has to um, not get killed by is not the person who Knickknack's going after, but it's in a way, it's Knickknack. It's like yeah. as if Knickknack is trying to kill Scaramonga. Yeah, because I, I think it's just, it, is, it is one of the most interesting villain henchman dynamics we've seen. It's bizarre. Um, but it's cool. Can we just very quickly talk about, like, what's up with... I mean, I guess this isn't just James Bond, but James Bond is very hyper-focused on, like, always making the bas- bad guys disfigured. Are you talking about the third nipple? Yeah, like, the, why does there have to be some form of, like, body oddity or disfigurement? Like, if it's not little people, if it's not scars, if it's not missing fingers or, like, uh, third nipples or in um, you know, Skyfall, like, the jaw... There's always Jaws also. There's always some sort of weird body disfigurement when they're bad guys. Yeah, I think that just comes from a Fleming. It comes from the books, basically. Yeah. You know, I think like with the beginning with Lashif and then it's like Hugo Drax and all these people. It's like they were all disfigured in some way from something. And I think that just kind of carried sure. over. And I think that also just for some reason in Western... I think culture, like or at least pop culture, you know, like going back as far as like Dick Tracy and like Batman. Yeah, I feel like it's, it's kind of in everything. Yeah, we we tend to, it's you know, from a modern perspective, we now see it almost as ableist kind of thing. Yes. Like, yeah. You, you make these people that look weird or have deformities or some sort of disability in some weird way, like they they're automatically the bad guy or they're right. You know, so there's something interesting there. This though, I don't know if it's necessarily a disability to have a third nipple. It's just a weird. No, it's thing. it's just a body oddity of <laughs> you know, or some form of abnormality as it would be seen. Yeah, because it was just, just like want... it was so strange to focus on it, and it also looks so weirdly fake. The color. <laughs> yeah, they 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 bring attention to it, and then later when Bond, I think, gets Q to make him a nipple. Is that what I might assume that happens, so that he can use that to trick High Fat? Into, into thinking that he's Scaramanga. That was uh, interesting. Just but throw a pepperoni on him. Basically, and then he throws it away. He throws <laughs> away government property into the bushes. Oh, that's a good point. You know, um, but so Scaramanga, obviously played by Christopher Lee, great actor, if you don't know from, as when I mentioned to you, you said first said Count Dooku, and I was like, no, Saruman. <laughs> I was like, God. You know, but... <laughs> Anyways, great American actor. Rest in peace, Christopher Lee. Um, he's great. He's great at Scaramanga. I like him. He's like, yeah, he's got a great absolutely. presence to him. His fun house is sort of like challenging, you know, haunted house set thing. Why does he have a authentic James Bond dummy? <laughs> like, because it feels like James Bond was his 
final challenge. Yeah, yeah. It's just so funny that he has like a rep exact replica with a yeah. working gun. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder though if that's the whole that was um Knickknack's plan the whole time though. Was to desen- to slowly desensitize Scaramunga to that so that Bond could then use it. Maybe. It's very possible. Because it does feel like it was like Nick Knack was playing the long game the entire time. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I could definitely see that. It's just, it is just weird to see a Roger Moore act, trying to act like a, a mannequin for those shots. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, don't move, don't move. Um, but yeah, so. Some yeah, mobster comes tries to come kill Scaramanga. Scaramanga gets the best of him. Um, we're introduced to the island, all that stuff. Um, the song for the man with the golden gun, not really good. Not very, not no. a great song. It's kind no. of kind of lame. I would say this, this is definitely on the in the bottom near for me. Yeah, just kind of. Um, n- it, 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 it's not. It, there's no. There's no. It's not memorable. It won't stick with me. I'm already having trouble recalling it, to be honest. And it's also very like it's just describing his character is the yep. lyrics of the song and you're like okay i don't really need it's, the video it's... for it too was just like this sort of smoky almost like everything was underwater kind of yeah a... and it's it's i think it was too much trying to be goldfinger because it's like goldfinger is about mm. goldfinger but kind of done in a more poetic way sure um and works better for the song whereas this one just kind of felt like a, a 70s knockoff like version of <laughs> trying to do that type of song so um yeah, Scaramonga. Uh, so after after the song, this is where we get the most like Bond, at least Roger Moore's Bond, being like a a computer of information, because when he's called in the office and is like, "What do you know about Scaramonga?" Scaramonga. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then he goes on like a five minute like just describing everything about him. Even this his is nip- this is the thing that's missing from Craig. Because Brosnan had a bit of the the smarts, but I do feel like Craig is like too much of a just like a, a trained attack dog, and I yeah. do actually really like like Roger Moore is turning out to be maybe my favorite Bond. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's got like he's got the charm and he's got a lot of cool like good elements that make him likable to watch. Well, and he feels smart like a spy like the ultra yeah. super spy should be very smart. Yeah, it's just so funny how M and those other two guys that are with him are just. St- standing there like still and just <laughs> listening to him describe Scaramanga's like childhood and how he became like this hired gun who shoots a million like paid a million a shot to kill anybody um and all this stuff and then he even describes the, the third nipple like without even being asked and then at the end of his like whole like spiel he's like uh well why do you ask like <laughs> it's like you know, it's, and then that's when they reveal that uh, Scaramanga has, I guess, sent them a bullet with 007's na- you know, numbers etched into it. So they think he's out there to kill 007. So, which is interesting. Um, which, like, he knew doing that would end up sending Bond to him versus had he not done that. Like, so that's the that's that's sort of the thing that reminds me in many ways of, like, Skyfall. It's like it's, he's very deliberately trying to bring MI6 and Bond to him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think there's definitely, like I said, like that is at the forefront of this story is this showdown between these two characters. Um, sort of larger than life in this world. They're sort of these, you know, big names. And that's why I think almost it takes over from what the device plot line is. 
um, you know, and because they mention it in this scene too, something about the whole Solex agitator and all that stuff. And he's got to find out who, you know, where this is. And like, they're missing this guy named Gibson, I guess, who's this leading scientist on this thing. So he's like, Bond is like, not only he has to go basically find out where Skyrimanga is going to be. And then he's got to find this other guy, Gibson. That's his kind of mission to find this device, the Solex agitator. Um, I will say though, before we jump in further, um, this was, this book was published after Fleming's death. And this was only, he only basically wrote, wrote the first draft. So we're getting down to the last two, this and, and the next one are the last two works that he have, like wrote and finished a version of before his death. And then after that, we were at it. We're done with the Fleming books. Wow. After going off of that. So, um, what's the we, last one? Uh, Octopussy, the greatest okay. title ever. Great. Great. <laughs> Great. Yes. I actually, I don't know anything about that movie, but I do know the name of it. So you'll be <laughs> interesting because we'll watch that next. So, in this movie, Scaramanga's assistant, um, I forget her name, her character's name, Andrea Anders is her uh-huh. name. Um, she's played by Maude Adams. She plays Octopussy in the next movie. So they don't Weird. even, like, the continuity, obviously, like, again, like, with the, the Blofeld actor changing and all these other things, it's like, you know, Cubby Broccoli, I think, just liked Maude Adams a lot and just, like, wanted to work with her again. And was like, hey, why don't you come be in this next movie, you know, this movie with us, and so... Did you think that Scaramanga's wife looked kind of like Melania Trump? Definitely. Maude Adams kind of has a Melania, a Jessica Biel type of look to her. That kind of facial structure and hair definitely comes off as uh, uh, a little bit. I, I could see that. I, can definitely I was like, this is weird. <laughs> but she's like nice. She's yeah. a good actress. I like, I yeah. like her. That's why it's, it was weird because she was nice. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah so Bond goes to Beirut to see a belly dancer because apparently there was a bullet you one of Scaramanga's bullets was used (laughs) so okay I have to say something yeah I this is where I think um, older generation like I'm so glad I was born at least at the time in which we were in fact we we might be so fortunate to have seen like maybe Gen X actually won won the the lotto ticket for for being around like during like maybe the most prosperous time in technology. But like, man, the fact that people were into the lamest fucking most boring weird thing, belly dancing. Belly dancing is the dumbest, Whoa. least sexy, stupid thing. I don't. I didn't know that you so were gonna dumb. put your foot down on this. No, it's dumb. I think it's dumb. I don't understand why anyone was ever into it. And the fact that people were into it and thought it was sexy mean like just <laughs> the most milk toast boring people in the world. Obviously you're not a hip hip guy. You're not like you're not into hips and of a woman. I am, but belly dancing is stupid. They have like like all this shit on them and it's just like, like what are you doing? Just dance sexy. You don't need to like do this weird belly dance thing. <laughs> this is such a weird rant that I've heard hear you it's going dumb. on right now. It's dumb. The whole scene I don't dumb. agree with you necessarily, but I'll I'll respect your opinion on the matter. <laughs> um But that's not the reason why I think the scene's bad. I think one Bond accidentally swallows the bullet in which uh, uh, apparently he has to shit out later. Um that's what I assume. And then two I pointed this out to you. So these guys come in to start beating up Bond. There's this fist fight. The way they filmed the scene, they just kind of had like a, like a half set. Oh, yeah. They were shooting. And so the, the mirror in the back gets bumped, and you can just see the whole crew. 
like during like a couple of seconds there and you're like did they not just go try to like get a second take or did they just say fuck it you know uh-huh yeah so that's i think that's why also people consider some of this to be like the lowest low point in the, in the franchise of like did, movie mistakes like that did they ever do that in austin powers ever break the fourth wall like that that's not breaking the fourth wall though that's just no but like know. they accidentally you know what i mean i think austin powers has done it a couple of times because it feels like that's part of like where they're pulling that from maybe but this just feels like they had a kind of a cheap set in this sort of back oh, yeah. room and they didn't realize oh if we put mirrors up on these walls they reflect back to the <laughs> the set where all the crew is I think, like, honestly, the best way this should have happened is when Bond was recalling information about him. Um, I think one of the things that should happen is, like, and they'd be like, well, we got this bullet. And Bond would be like, there's only one man in the world who could make a specialized bullet like this. And then you go right to the guy in Beirut. Yeah, you don't need this this, this whole scene here. Yep. With the belly and then it would have made that interesting as well for yep. Bond, to, you know, because, like, then it's like... Oh, great. Your mind just gave us something that's like super important. Not that he has like a weird pepperoni also, it's like, nipple. It's, yeah, he's using his Rolodex mind to find this one contact that he knows like, oh, I know the one guy that would make a bullet for yeah. assassins or yeah. Which when we get to that guy, I actually really appreciate. I liked all that stuff. I loved this part. This felt very spy like. Yeah. And it's very like this guy Lazar. Yeah. Yeah. I, this is a, this is another like like. Of the, like, one-off characters we get in these movies, this is a guy I'd like to see come back. Oh, yeah. He'd be kind of cool to see. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Especially today, like, like, imagine, like, the crate. He's basically, like, almost like a tactical cue for people that don't have MI6. Yeah, it'd be cool. Like, maybe it's, like, Bond is trapped somewhere, trapped in some place or, like, stuck. He can't can't get his usual equipment from Q. And he's like, oh, I know some black market guy that can give me, like, a couple of bullets to, to use. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, or, or it's like he needs to do something, but MI6 isn't going to help him with it. So he's just like, he's like, well, Q isn't the only place where I can get what I need. There's yeah. one man who who, who can supply it. <laughs> um, I like how, so he, after Lazar, he, who said he was going to deliver the bullets to Scaramanga, to, through, he didn't know exactly who he was delivering to. He follows that and leads, that leads him to Andrea, which is Mott Adams' character, who... He follows her all the way to the shower, and I like how she takes a shower with a gun. <laughs> yeah. She, she opens that shower door with a pistol already, and you're like, okay. But um, as far as, like, this is, like, being also, like, a part that I think that, um, you know, that uh, more I think, felt very really low about, he didn't like doing this scene where he's threatening her. Oh, good, because I didn't like this scene either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, here's the thing. So, I was talking to Teresa about it. It's... It is a weird um, double standard because actually everything about this, if it's not, if this wasn't a woman, everything about this on paper is correct because you're just like, okay, you are doing counterintelligence against a very likely hostile target. So you're going to go at them when they're most vulnerable. So like going at them when they're in the shower is like, like that's perfect. Right. Um, So all of that makes sense. But because of the context applied to it, all of it feels so wrong. And also, he's not really doing a good job of... No. And also, you're, you're so used to more being just, I think, a little more charming and lighthearted that when yeah. he has to be doing this, it just doesn't feel right. Correct. You know? I agree. And, um, 
So yeah, I think he didn't like doing this. This this definitely felt more of a Connery moment. I could see oh, Connery yeah. doing this. Same. Uh, you know, Same. and and so uh, you know that's what uh, yeah. So that and that leads him to um, I think what happens after this because basically then and then we get to is that we get to the bottoms up club after this. I think where Scaramanga basically goes to Thailand. I think after this part because that's where he meets him. Um, oh yeah, because then we meet the during right before this time we actually meet the worst bond girl i think i've i've i of all the movies so far i think this i think holly or whatever name is good night is like the worst bond girl big time (laughs) i think so Uh, she's outshined by you know um what's her name andrea yeah andrea yeah she's outshined by andrea so of course she is like she's not she's trying to be funny or like trying to be the comic relief but it's not great she doesn't really do anything she actively gets like she just gets clumsy and gets caught and then when she's caught by scaramanga and then she's just like chilling on the island not even trying to like figure out how to like get out of there or help on yeah you know so, just wearing a bathing suit all the time yeah it's just a weird like i i just don't like i mean during the escape it's you know she's fine but like then again she's just kind of weight dead weight then for everything um so although she kind of causes the place to go critical <laughs> by bumping that man into the, into the thing yeah into the, the vat of like liquid oxygen or whatever it is yeah and you throw a man in there and that's going to raise that temperature by a few degrees critically <laughs> uh, <I> d- <laughs> yeah we'll get to we'll, we'll talk about crow when we get it when we get to him up at that t- up at the end there like it's just funny there was only like three people working in this entire island <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> you know it's like um you know, it was like a Stromberg with his Atlantis thing. I was like, "Is there anybody else working on this ship? Is it just just Stromberg and Jaws?" Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's like, where, "Where's the crew?" Um, I really, really like. So there's the bottoms up club scene where Scott Club, yep, where he kills <laughs> the um, Gibson Bond. He, like he was there to shoot, assassinate him but then he assassinates this solar scientist guy Wait, was this was this the cut was this the cut where it just starts on that woman's ass yeah yeah (laughs) i was like wow okay (laughs) yeah there's some weird stuff yeah there's some weird cuts here um (laughs) yeah so with the bottoms up club and then that's when um you know that like after that guy's shot then you have i think what's his name is it uh lieutenant hip comes in like arrest spawn but then takes i like him. this guy yeah he's cool I, li- I like this guy he's like he's a hard-working guy he you know yeah. he does his thing um i love this set he takes him to which is the tipped yeah. over ship that q has like or the m you know mi6 has sort of relocated their entire branch to yeah he's he's like thailand uh felix yeah no he's great hip's great um and just like take and you don't know and bond it's kind of cool because like bond doesn't know him yet so doesn't yeah. know if he's going to take him to be killed or i was wondering why they talked about the elizabeth at the beginning and then it's such it's a weird thing to point out it's cool though i was a big fan of that it kind of doesn't make sense from a practical standpoint like the like the biggest object in the bay is like the secret (laughs) yeah but it also does a little bit that you could you could see that like it could be this like argued like as this contested thing like maybe like like it's like oh well the Chinese don't won't let the American ships come in and take it out but like the Americans are like no that's our like thing so you can't touch it so like there's probably a way that like you could you could write it off as like well no one can go there sort of a thing 
Yeah. It's clever. It was clever. Plus, it was just, it was cool. The inside of it was cool. And the fact that I was like, oh, it's tilted, but we're going to build everything level that we normally do. And so, like, everything, it's like a weird fun house. Yeah. <laughs> in it. It's a strange. Um, but yeah, that, that's where you get the scene that you talked about before with, uh, you know, the Solex is the most important thing, more so than anything else that Bond has to find. And, and you know, reinforces that. Um, oh, yeah. This is when he travels to Bangkok afterwards to basically try to infiltrate this guy, High Fats organization good name. The one that high fat yes um who he's the one who arranged gibson's murder it's pain scaramanga so um, this is one of the other few things that i felt like could have been cut a little or just changed around was i i didn't quite understand why they would bother doing the whole like infiltrating of high fats fighting the sumo wrestlers just to be sent to the school like just kind of put them both in the same location Make them both yeah. part of the same yeah. set piece. Like it just it, it it sort of seems weird. It was like a bizarre decision. Yeah, I guess they they needed time to introduce like uh, Lieutenant Hip's like nieces, you know, like the Kung Fu girls and stuff. So then later when he's trying to escape from the school, it's like he runs into them. Um, but I thought like a lot of help they were. <laughs> I mean, they beat up a bunch of guys. I know, but then they just left him. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't understand. He goes, hang on, and just, like, takes off. Like, why didn't you just let him get in the car? I thought uh, I thought all of Roger Moore's stunts, this was actually pretty, he did, like, he was doing some pretty good, like, fighting moves and some mm, of the stuff. Mm, mm-hmm. um, you know, nor, I think, you know, we're used to him kind of being older Bond, and I think this and Living That Dire is when I think he looks the best, and I think he's doing most of his stunts, and I think he... Yeah, when he's younger. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> when, so... when, he's a, when he's a young 45 versus 57. When he, when he has a fighting the sumo wrestlers, it was I'm just sitting there like, okay, these guys are way bigger than him. Oh, yeah. This guy's going to crush god. him. Oh, God. Why is the other guy standing there doing nothing? Well, and then, of are, course, are we not going to talk about Bond? His first move is to grab his gra- cheeks yep, yep, and boy, pull outwards. Boy, did they, they got like close in on that shot, John. I know. I was, I was afraid. About what <laughs> what we might see, yeah. But like, what, like I guess, what was his first thought in terms of? I don't. It, it was he like trying to pull himself out, maybe like you know, it was like leverage. Yeah. And then he gives him a super wedgie. Oh yeah. I really thought he was actually going to try to tickle him. That's what I thought. <laughs> like I, I forgot what what happens here, and so I really thought that he was going to like he was going to reach down and tickle his sides. I stuff. thought he was going to give him prostate exam. I mean, it was pretty damn close. <laughs> just punch him right in the butt. But yeah, but your point stands. Like the other guy was also just standing around. He's just doing nothing. And then Knickknack is like dressed like a weird like Aquaman character. Like what's going on in that scene? Yeah. And, and also he's like, cool, I knocked him out with the trident. Instead of me just stabbing him right here, you pick him up, put him on the pedestal. Then I'm going to stand over him and stab him. <laughs> what? And then High Fats, no, not here. You're like, well, you set up, you you replaced your sumo statures with real sumo men. What were you expecting? <laughs> Ridiculous. So funny. Um, so yeah, when after he escapes the school, and then Hip and his nieces help him out a little bit. Uh, there's a crazy line here where jo- uh, Bond uh, jumps into that boat, and he's the guys are approaching him, and then he uses the propeller blade to uh, at like points oh, it at them. Like, okay, I didn't understand this. I, don't, okay, I so, didn't get it. 
it's a, what does it okay, mean? So he says, what do you call, like, like, what do you, I think it was, what do you guys call a Mexican screw off? That's what he says. And, or it like, looks like we have a, we have a Mexican screw off, which is basically, I, yeah, I thought he said Mexican something like, yeah, this is Mexican what you call off. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, because it's a screw, I guess, like, because it's a drill or something. Yeah, like, I didn't get it. Just a weird line. It was so weird. I do have to say, though, like, again, like the whole school fight, I mean, this is just like the villains have to, to just always be stupid. It's like you have like a billion people here. Um, the fact that he won any of those fights was ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> well, he cheats, basically. Yeah. He doesn't fair. fight like the, apparently how they're supposed to fight. And like everyone seems cool with it. Yeah. He just like sucker punches that guy with a kick. But I'm just wondering, how does the school get anyone trained up if those first dudes are actually killing each other with swords? I don't know. <laughs> like, how many people do you have to go through to even have that many people who are trained up? Apparently. But when when Jula fights him, I appreciated that it wasn't, like, super fast. Like, it felt like every move they did, like, had, like, some, like, oomph behind yeah. it. Yeah. No, I think, like, that's why I liked that more doing those stunts and it actually felt, like, a little bit more real. Oh, yeah. Like, those and, like, punches felt like they were they were meant to knock each other out. <laughs> and, they, and, and, and because they didn't, didn't have to cut to, like, stun people doing it or, like, they didn't have to cut on action. All of it felt a little more just real. Yeah. Like, it's a little slower than it probably should be, but at the same time, the hits felt stronger, so it kind of, it, it worked for me. I liked that. No, um, I got it. That's great. But um, jumping through that window, not knowing what's on the other side, <laughs> they could have been on the side of a cliff. <laughs> I mean, that's the risk you take when you're bought, and you have to just rely on your luck, which he has unbelievable luck. Uh, um, unbelievable luck. So when he gets in that boat and is going... Um, there's another low point for more at least, um, was when the kid gets into the, into the boat with him and is like asking him like, Oh, how do I like, is the motor like, isn't working or like the fuel uh-huh. intake isn't working. And he's like, well, if you pay me, whatever, I'll tell uh-huh. you. And he, he's like, okay. And then he's like, turns it on. And then he pushes the kid out of the boat. Like, which at the time, Roger Moore, I think was the head of UNICEF, which is like the, the, you know, the world, the child hunger organization. So it's like, he felt like. Uh, this is kind of a shitty thing for me to do as like the head of UNICEF. <laughs> Push a poor Thailand boy <laughs> out of this up. boat in the water. That's messed um, up. It is funny. It's a funny scene though. Him just being, oh, it is a funny because the kid's but... being a little shit. But um, yeah, you know. And so he's he sort of has a right to push him, but the optics don't look great. Um, and this is where we are reintroduced to the wonderful Sheriff J. W. Pepper who is, I guess, on vacation with his wife. They, I don't, I didn't take him as the world traveling type man. <laughs> he seems like someone who probably would never leave Louisiana. He probably wouldn't get too far away from his spit cup. Yeah, but apparently he still has it. Mm-hmm. Brought it with him. Mm-hmm. Um, his lines in this, especially in the scene where he sees Bond on the boat before, like, and he's like, just yelling out like, borderline racist stuff to people Mm -hmm. and you're just like i guess they're kind of making fun of like the dopey american abroad the idiot american abroad type of thing but it's just like it's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. it's not great um (laughs) you know so that's all i gotta say about jw pepper Uh, (laughs) so um you know and then i think after so yeah after this everything this is when Scaramanga, basically, you think he's working for High Fat, but then he's like, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna take over on everything, and he uh-huh. kills High Fat, and he basically assumes control of his whole enterprise, and it's like, you know what, I'm gonna take over this whole solar thing. 
you know, and take the solo yeah. and stuff. And this is this is part of why I felt like he reminds me in some ways of Sky. Like no movie has reminded me of Skyfall except this one, because the bad guy is just kind of trying to kill Bond and is also clearly just a psycho. Yeah. Like, he's just like, I don't really know how any of this works. He's like, I don't care. Look at what I can blow up. Like, that scene felt straight up like the scene with Bond when, you know, they're they're on the island and he's like, let me show you this. And he's like, <laughs> and he's like just shooting stuff and blowing stuff up. It's like he was he's like the Scaramunga's like the Joker of, <laughs> of the James yeah. Bond universe. Yeah, it's like he is. He's a little crazy. Like, he doesn't also- like he's. He doesn't really seem like he's bent on world domination or anything. Like, he's just like, I'm just going <laughs> to invite, like, war <laughs> upon yeah, myself. Like, I just want a little bit of chaos. I'm going to live on my, like, fantasy island here and invite people to try to come kill me. Yeah. And a little, There's a little bit of the most dangerous game uh, with his character. And, oh, yeah. Um, and the island of Dr. Moreau, I think I get a little bit of just, of like, crazy guy on island. Yeah, knickknack. Yeah. Fantasy Island, it's obviously a big yeah. uh, thing there. Um, yeah, and then, so we got the whole thing. I liked the scene where it's the Muay Thai boxing match. Oh, yeah, this is a good scene. Because you get this nice, like, we're in this public place. Scaramanga and Bond have to sit down together. Knickknacks behind them. Anders is there, but she's dead. But she's... I liked it too because also it felt it made it made the location feel more real because like the only other thing that we saw that seemed great was the harbor. Everything else was either um, sort of exoticism because it was like, look, we're at like a kung fu temple. Look, we're at this like traditional like place. Look, we're yeah. at this like seedy like alleyway like bar place. And now it's like, oh no, check out like what the wealthy people do here. Or yeah, it's like this is like a big sort of event place that yeah. looks real. It feels real. It felt like, modern. Yeah, to that to that time. You know. Um, no, yeah, I, I definitely I I agree with all that. Uh, <laughs> I did like where he he so like Scaramanga didn't know, doesn't know where the Solek or agitator is, but it's on the ground. And I love how Bond sees it, and he has to like very he like orders the peanuts, drops them, so then he can grab. I'm like, ooh, he put his like hand on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> with all the stuff that's on the ground there um but i did like all that and then except that unfortunately good night has to like screw it all up you know because she she's given the most important thing the mission itself but then she's like no i gotta do one more thing i gotta put a like a homing beacon on scaramanga's car and then she ends up getting caught and pushed in the trunk and um this is where we get the amc matador scene um uh, which all the driving stuff i think is really cool Minus J.W. Pepper, like we've said. Um, but, like, the stunt driving is all pretty cool. AMC cars, you know, they were what they were. They're, you know, they... <laughs> Again, it's like, like we're so far detached from when it was Aston Martin back in the 60s. And this is where they kind of lost their way with cars a bit. And, like, you didn't get cool-looking cars until we got back to basically almost yeah. Craig. You know? Yeah. Let's, let's get cars from there. But... Like you said, well, we I talked about the Pierce Brosnan. Don't they do some good cars in his eh, BMW? Oh, yeah, that's fair. They're like, they're, but at they the time, did like the high tech like... invisible car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I remember being a kid and being like, "Oh, those are cool looking cars." And now, knowing BMW uh, drivers for fair. who they are, I'm just like, "Ugh." That's fair. Yeah. Well, I bet if you knew some Aston Martin drivers, you'd also go, "Ugh." Uh, maybe if you're if you're wealthy enough to own a Aston Martin, you're probably not gonna. I don't know. Who knows? They're not as 
let's just say they don't they break for people <laughs> sure <laughs> you know anyways uh, yeah we talked about the, the jump stunts uh, and then we get to basically what is the finale which is everything on Scaramanga's Island here and this whole um, stuff uh, yeah I don't I mean it's I think it's a cool finale for the most part a little cheap obviously with the just some of the sets and stuff but it was I, I love it I loved all of it I, I it, the whole thing is just um just wild and fun like it, it does it does kind of feel like James Bond on vacation like James Bond it feels like James Bond side quest but that's I kind of like that because the stakes are clearly high but in a weird way it's like MI6 like we want this thing not like this thing is being used by this evil person who's gonna destroy the universe like it's like no no no, no. Like, our people need this thing? Like, in some ways, they're the agitators because they're, like, yep. going into this foreign country, stealing their technology that they developed. Like, what right do they have to this technology? None. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bond is kind of being, at, he's at the service of a country committing espionage. And right. He sometimes is so often put in the context of he's he's saving the world. Right. That, like, you forget sometimes he's... He's a spy, and spies are used to also, like, disrupt things and fuck things up. Or, like, and in this one, it's not even so much it feels like they were there to keep them from having the technology as it was, like, they needed to also have it for themselves. Like, they needed to, like, learn how it worked and, yeah, you know? So it was, I I thought that was interesting, and that's part of why, like, I like all of it. Um, The one thing I didn't get was, why didn't Bond just shoot Scaramanga when he meets him right there at the start of the island? Well, I think... That I can't really answer, but they do set up the, the kind of the duel later, which was pretty cool with, uh, I like knickknack and his like valet outfit. It's like, you know, the hat and everything. It was really cool. I love knickknack. It's great. also a good name. Um, Is Odd Job in Goldeneye actually supposed to just be knickknack, like in some ways? Is that why they made Odd Job of short? Why didn't they just name the character knickknack? You know, I think that's probably where you're coming at. Maybe they like halfway, maybe they got mixed up. Maybe the. <laughs> Maybe you know they what I mean? Use the two. Yeah, yeah. It's like possible. just some some like racist person on the dev team was like, "Oh, that Asian guy. What was his name? The short one." The guy was like, "Oh, it's Odd Job. Oh, okay." Because like, <laughs> like oh, Odd Job was actually like a huge dude. No, he's a hulking man. <laughs> yeah, he was yeah. gigantic, and then he's like this tiny guy in the game, and it's like, I'm watching this. I'm like, I mean, this can't be a coincidence, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> like, probably true. I wonder if like remember that they had came out some like documentary about GoldenEye the game. I wonder. Yeah, if- that's coming out. It'd be funny if they ever actually, if they talked about that, if that revealed why, why Odd Job is so short. But that is a great theory. I think maybe they were going with uh, Knickknack at first and then decided that uh, like he wasn't as intimidating in lore. And so they're like, they yeah. changed last minute without actually changing his size. Yeah. So that's, I, that's probably my guess. Um, a, le- a little less, uh, not not to claim that they're ignorance, I, <laughs> you know. To be a little more safe on that one, but uh, yeah, no, the dual part's cool, and then this is kind of sneaking into the the fun house area. Bond switches out uh, the disguise with the the dummy, and that's how he basically outsmarts uh, Scaramanga and kills him with one bullet to the heart. Um, yeah, and then that's everything. Kind of goes to hell after that because Goodnet accidentally bumps. Uh, craw into the <laughs> into the liquid, which I guess causes everything to overheat and everything to explode, and that's when they got to get out of there. Um, 
And then we're left with the interesting tag uh, scene where they're on Scaramanga's ship sailing away, him and Goodnight, and then Knickknack is ambushes them. Mm. Which, I don't know. I don't know what the, about this scene. It's a little weird, but it's... Yeah. Again, this is the part where we you get the most let's make fun of Nick Knack for his size. And that's, I think, the most problematic of it. I was so happy, though, that he didn't kill him because I felt bad. I thought he threw him. I was like, that is such a brutal way to take I mean, Nick leaving Knack him out. up in the crow's nest for quite possibly days. But I, I think the cruel. assumption, though, is is that he will not die up there. I'm, 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 yes, but like thinking realistically, if you were stuck up in the crow's nest of a ship sure. for days, you, you would dehydrate, sunburn, yeah. and at he the looks same time, miserable. My guess is if you go take the effort to put that person up there instead of just throwing him overboard to kill him, um, he's probably going to go keep him alive. Yeah, I mean, he's just, it's the, the Roger Moore cheeky way of, uh, of subduing a villainous character. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's that's how the man with the golden gun ends mm. on a sailing ship, which is funny because we'll, we'll we'll talk about it when we get to Octopussy. But the Octopussy almost ends in the exact same way <laughs> of Bond like leaving on a ship with a lover, you know. So, um, but we'll get to that when we talked about it. But all right, so what about any last thoughts? Overall thoughts about this? Um... So I just I want to say I thought the complex was good. I thought the like final fight was good with uh, Scaramanga. It was interesting that like Scaramanga goes down before his henchman goes down or before Knickknack goes down. Um, so you know just because Scaramanga was kind of built up so much. Um, yeah, I mean, but there's just not that many people working at this place. <laughs> correct, correct. Uh, but I I I really enjoy it, and I actually think this is I, I really the more I think about it, this feels like the precursor to skyfall um and i think that's why i like this i like this movie a lot actually the more i think about it yeah Um, i mean it's it's a fun movie to put on and kind of watch i think it's it's definitely not like bad it it, it feels like there's real spying it feels like uh it's unique because it's not an evil person with an evil plan it's like it's a different version of spying it's uh different locales it's a different kind of like just it's very unique amongst the Bond movies. Yeah. And it does a lot of what it's trying to do well, whereas I didn't think Live and Let Die actually did a lot of what it was trying to do well. At least at least yeah. for today. At least yeah. for today, watching it. No, yeah, I, I can agree with you. I think like I think almost Live and Let Die does have a lot of flaws of it being a little seem a little too slapdash put together and also like a uh, it's very B movie in a lot of ways. Again, like they're similar in terms of their attempts at doing things a certain way. That's why I kind of make the comparison. Um, yeah. And I, I would say, yeah, there are some things this movie I think does a lot better as a traditional James Bond spy movie than Live and Let Die does. I just enjoy Live and Let Die, I think, a little bit more from sure. the overall concept. And I just love the supernatural elements like put into it and some other things put into it as well. So, But this one I think is great. I, you know, obviously growing up with the, GoldenEye game, the Golden Gun was a pretty seminal thing in multiplayer, you know, that you could one-shot, one-kill, you know, which I always thought was because, like, oh, it uses special bullets. I'm like, no, because Scaramanga is such a good shot, and he can, like, just shoot you right where right where you, you need to die right away. So he only has to shoot one shot. So, <laughs> you know, I was always thought interesting. Th- you kind of mentioned it, actually, um, at the end there. 
what my one change would be not have craw there at all yeah and have basically bond would tell scaramanga like you can't like you know nothing about this technology like you're going to blow yourself up and Mm -hmm. then through scaramanga's basically own ingerence like he essentially overloads his own like you know whole base and like causes its own destruction but he's then but he dies basically before he sees that but it'd been kind of cool if it's like almost his own hubris was going he was going to kill himself anyways with his own you know (laughs) how full of himself he was how he could like control this technology and use it for just chaos you know that would have been kind of funny so not to i mean i love i i don't have i don't care about craw either way he's just a no line character but like he doesn't need someone there to like watch the controls (laughs) yeah yeah i mean they also could have just had like a dozen just scientists who aren't even like they're just straight up like running the plant you know Yeah. yeah I do like that the plant basically gets destroyed and everything because it's like now no one has it, <laughs> yeah. which is so. similar to like four years only and him destroying the the machine at the end. So it's like, well, we don't have it and the Russians don't have it. So as long as it's destroyed, it's better destroyed yeah. than in the wrong hands. So which is the moral of most Bond's adventures sometimes. But yeah, so, you know, I think it, it is what it is. Great movie. I recommend it for people that want to watch that kind of a fun strange movie during this time era and bond and you yes. know i think it's also a strong roger moore movie as a, as a performance for him you know so. um so i did a little i did a little googling on the whole nick knockout job thing because i just yeah. had to know okay. um so here's here's the interesting thing it doesn't seem like there's a definitive answer but there's two major theories going around one is a lot of people claim that at some point or another the dev said that it was just confused like someone made a mistake and said it was odd job instead of knickknack back oh, and then it just stuck. There's another claim that that game is rife with licensing agreements and they couldn't get the rights to use the actual uh, look of knickknack like his face, uh... but they were able to get odd jobs face that actors. Um, yeah. That sounds more realistic because there were a ton of actors, apparently like the actual bonds and stuff and like other people um, whose images likenesses weren't used in the game but the files they found people have found and like through hacks have unlocked them um were in the game but they just didn't get the rights so it's possible that they wrote it for knickknack and then couldn't get his face they're like all right we'll slap odd job on there <laughs> that makes sense actually that, that makes... seems the, the most likely yeah and but then now it's like they've created a weird cultural phenomenon where people think the odd job is really t- short so this is the interesting thing. They did a, on like the 360, they did a GoldenEye Rogue Agent, or it was on like the regular Xbox and like the GameCube, and you play as Trevelin instead. It's like the same, but yeah. it doesn't play at all like it. Obviously, it's made by EA. I've heard it's like okay at best, yeah. but in multiplayer, there's no odd job, but there's knickknack. Oh, interesting. We'll have to, we'll so, have to, find, a, have to find a way to play it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was that's like that's the most interesting I've just found is they have Mayday, they have Jaws, they have Baron Samedi, and they have Knickknack as some of the characters in the multiplayer. And that's kind of of note. And it makes me think that either it's a likeness and rights issue or it was a mistake. But um, it's funny that that is not well known. Hopefully when the documentary comes out, uh, that answer will be found. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So... That's it for this mission. We will be returning 
with, like I mentioned, Octopussy, one of the strangest titles in all of Bond lore. We will dive into what exactly it means. Uh, it's From what I remember, it's been a while since I've watched it, but it's a pretty good movie for the most part. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what you think. Um, you know, and then we're getting basically, yeah, like there's this and The Living Daylights are the last two published Fleming short stories. Crazy. Um, and then after that, we'll just kind of dive into the order afterwards. Um, the movie and both order of those are Roger Moore's, right? Yes. Great. Right. So at this Octopus, point, it's... yeah. So Octopus is Roger Moore, and then Living Daylights is the first uh, Timothy Dalton movie. I forgot there's that guy. Yeah. Yes. Which when we get to that, you'll it'll be interesting to kind of discuss because actually rather like Timothy Dalton as a Bond. He's ah. Okay. Well, great. Anyways, great. So we will uh, see you on the next mission uh, to India. Okay.